Welcome to Covenant Church's sermon discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the communication director at Covenant, and the preaching pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon and welcome to our sermon discussion. I am Michelle Lichty and I am here with David Henderson. Good morning, good noon, whatever, good afternoon. <laughs> it is afternoon. I guess we are on the after side of noon. <laughs> <laughs> we are, barely, but we are. Um, today we are discussing your sermon from last Sunday, which was February 28th on Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And the topic was humility, the hallmark virtues. One of the hallmark virtues, I wrote down marks of citizenship. And the other two are love and unity. Yeah, the other two that we've opened up so far, and mm -hmm. this will be more and more the focus of Philippians as we go on, is Paul bringing out others like joy and peace and contentment and generosity, um, all things that kind of strengthen what we have together in Christ. But these are definitely the, I think, the three pivotal ones. Mm -hmm. I think Rob said this, I think, in our community group right after the first service. He said, Loves bring, love brings us the unity. Humility preserves the unity. Yeah. And I've, I've been thinking about that since Sunday. It's, um, yeah. It, it reminds me a little bit of First uh, Corinthians 13, above all, put on love. Wait, is that where that is? Yeah, and also, yes, right. <laughs> All of a sudden I went, wait a second. <laughs> What's well, a faith, hope, and love, um, mm -hmm. but the greatest of these is love. And, mm -hmm. and also the opening section, which I think is so relevant for today, <clears throat> it says, you know, um, it's great to, to prize yourself on the incredible use of your um, preaching and teaching gifts, articulating the truth. But even if you do that, like as though you had a heavenly voice, if love isn't in it, then it just sounds like a clattering gong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very harsh and mm. dissident. Yeah. And not, and, and, probably pretty unhelpful because mm. it's uh it feels more like an accusation instead of a i love you too much to leave you there so let's yeah yeah and it's it's we had a, we had such a rich discussion the elders um the session last night um <clears throat> about some of this and we we're talking about how our we seem to be presented with an either or kind of choice that either we affirm truth, which seems to excuse us from being loving. We, we, the church has in past decades felt entitled to kind of hit people with the truth and has felt that's a legitimate expression of our proclamation. Or um, we need to love people and loving and accepting people means we go soft on biblical truth and biblical morality. And it's interesting, even some people during this series, as I've been emphasizing uh, God's invitation to covenant to be a church known more for its love than for anything else, 
people have come back and said, does that mean you no longer have biblical beliefs about things like marriage or abortion or that kind of stuff? I'm like, no, not that, that's not what that means at all. None of that has changed. But I think we, we have this notion that those are the only two options. And that mm. uh, I think um, Paul in Philippians presses us to consider this fabulous, mysterious third alternative of living a life of love, but holding fast to truth, standing firm in the truth, um, even as we endure suffering and accusation, even as we lay down our lives for the sake of those we're seeking to reach. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's, you know, that I see that more and more in our culture that it's either or, it's either or. Yeah. And, and I'm seeing God's way is not an either or way for the most, I mean, I guess I should qualify that statement. <laughs> um, uh, you know, he, Jesus declares himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when we follow him, he, he you know, when, when he walked this earth, it wasn't either we follow the religious leaders or we love the sinners. He accepted yeah. everyone who yeah. followed him. Yeah, this radical inclusive exclusivity on his part. Yeah, he, he managed to kind of knock down the human constructs and categories that we have. And his path kind of marches boldly right through the middle of them without being um, sufficiently encompassed by any of them. And you can't fit Jesus into republicanism and you can't fit Jesus into democratism. Um, you can't fit Jesus into no maskism or maskism or no vaccinism or vaccinism or, or this approach to race versus this approach or, um, I mean, all of those, you start picking any of those categories and Jesus, Jesus claims it all and he um, confronts it all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And I think the thing that um, was that stood out to me from the Sunday sermon, um, besides Rob's statement, was that um, that Paul lays out in in Philippians two three the threats to unity. Mm. And those threats are selfish ambition, the only thinking about what do I get, and vain conceit, like how do I feel about myself? How am I self-important? And and I think, oh man, like <laughs> I'm sure all like it's this is human nature, right? So all of history, probably culture gravitated towards both of these things, but it feels like right now with social media, Mm -hmm. you know, it's even more self-grandizing. Yeah. Yeah, the social media and and just the climate at the last several years in our country seems like it really has brought into sharp focus these propensities that are true of all of us as fallen human beings, apart from God's gracious intervention. It's where we all start, that Mm -hmm. whatever is important to me is more important than anything that's important to you. And I am more important than you are. You know, that's just where we, by default, that's where we start. 
so when when you couple that together, Michelle, with a um, a climate of either orism, instead of a asking the question as as people devoted to biblical truth, how can I find common ground with you as a fellow follower of Christ, or even where might be the basis of some common footing that I have with you as an atheist or as a Buddhist or whatever else, as a place to begin our conversation? Uh, I think what when, when we lack that ability to say in humility, I, I don't have the whole story. I have biblical truth and I affirm it unbudgingly, I affirm it boldly, but I, I don't have all the answers as to how all this plays out, like in the realm of immigration or what's the best way to bring about racial equality in our country. And if we can, if we can bring that, it, it, it seems like um, the which camp are you in can come out of a brashness. Of course, I know I'm right. And I'm about to judge whether or not you're right based on whether or not you agree with me. Instead of a, Wow, this is where I this is where I come out. I mean, these aspects of biblical truth I, I know um, inform this, but I'm still wrestling with the, with how exactly they inform it in terms of my own actions or public policy or whatever else. Could you help me with that? How are you processing that? Mm -hmm. That's what lets us be united together under the lordship of Christ instead of united around a political position, which ends up excluding many, or united about around a, a certain public opinion um, so yeah so it, it was fascinating for me to have this passage press me to think about how pride and self-seeking and self-importance could actually be connected to some of the fracturing and divisioning that we see happening in the church yeah and the and the um hmm, i'm trying to think of the word anecdote anecdote for that comes in the next ver in the next verses right humility we value others more than ourselves um oh now i'm just i have incomplete notes <laughs> i'm pulling uh, that's up. right yeah so one yeah humility is the is the antidote i think might be the word you're looking for and, um, yeah thank you yeah <laughs> the, uh, the humility is what offsets the self-seeking and it's a it's it's you, you the things that matter to you come first, and then esteeming the other is what come is what offsets our self importance. I'm I actually lift you to a place of higher value than I put myself in. Right. Each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, one thing that you talked about was that um, moving from seeing other people as it's mm. to seeing other people as you, um, which I thought, oh man, it's so easy to go through the grocery line and just think, oh, it is scanning my groceries instead of, oh, you are scanning my groceries and how are you? And I can have a conversation with you and see you as a person. It was uh, really fun for me to, on Sunday, I interacted with someone who hadn't been back to worship since COVID began. 
It's their first time being in person. Mm -hmm. And this, this man is a typically reserved man, not uh, somebody I experienced as being kind of emotionally effusive. And it was so um, meaningful to me how, um, how full of emotion he was in saying, it's just so good to be with you, to see you. I want to shake your hand. I want to give you a hug. I think, I think sometimes we can be so busy with ideas, we forget some of the most basic realities. You are a fellow human being mm -hmm. created in the image of God. You who are at the end of this long checkout line, who may or may not give me eye contact, you are a person, you matter, you have a separate existence from mine. God created you and he created you for purposes um, that are grander than either of us can imagine. And you are so worthy of my acknowledgement and of my respect, and apart from whether or not we have the same view on, on homosexuality or whatever else that um, there's, you, you see the indiscriminate way in which Jesus loved all, hmm. ne never compromising on truth, but he indiscriminately loved all. And, and it's, it's, it seems it's that, that ability to see the person as God sees them instead of through the lens of what I want. And boy, I, you know, I constantly fall into the seeing people as, as some things to interact with or to, to deal with or to, um, to advise or to get to learn from, to get something from instead of just the, the wonder of, of you as a separate person, just worthy of my regard and of my love and of my attention. And, and I, you know, it's interesting. I think when we become really obsessed with controlling our time, people become things in slots hmm. rather than people um, in whose presence, into whose presence we walk. Hmm. I think it's really hard to retain that perspective. Martin Buber, who was the one who wrote this book, talked about how we, we will elevate up into this IU perspective and then almost immediately, inevitably, as fallen human beings slip right back into seeing each other as, as things to be used or avoided or exploited or or dealt with in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think that social media exasperates this. Man, yeah. I mean, because you're not even seeing the person embodied. It's just a yes. name. And so, so we're not seeing, you know, the person who is posting something that we disagree with. We're just seeing the words. And not recognizing that that person has dignity and value and worth, regardless of what they say, because they're a human being created in God's image. Yeah. And so it is then, amazing. Yeah, go ahead. Well, go ahead. so then we, then, you know, it gives, we take advantage of the disembodiment of that and treat them as it's and, and lamb blast them. And, say horrible things online that we would never say in person to someone face to face. That's exactly right. And I, you know, um, I had a, I had a great, uh, very honest conversation with somebody in the congregation for whom I have a lot of respect. 
<clears throat> who acknowledged his own struggle to be appropriate in his comments online. And, uh, and, I, and I just, I, I kind of paused with him and said, you know, can you, can you think of any time when any kind of, any setting in which a difficult conversation in which you disagree over ideas can actually help or can actually happen in a healthy way? Have you ever experienced that online? And he said, no. Yeah. I said, how about in person? Yes. We can do that in person for the exact same reason that you're, you're yeah, we don't disembody the, the ideas and convictions from the person. And then we start attacking the idea. But so often that turns into attacking the person who holds the idea by belittling them and mocking them, making fun of them, turning them into a straw man that we break apart and shoot down and all those things that end up leaving a person in piles on the other end and we just kind of feel smug and go on mm. on that argument right to what but to what cost yes yeah exactly <laughs> to what cost to and obviously the there's a cost on the on the person the other person yeah. but at what cost to myself I don't think we recognize at times the cost to ourselves mm. the, that yeah. the selfish ambition and the vain conceit costs us. Right. It's such a great insight, Michelle. I think that's right. Yeah, we diminish ourselves when, when I am no more than my desire, when I am no more than my self-importance, rather than being the far more glorious thing that God sees me as, which is his child, his servant, uh, his um, instrument in this world yeah mm -hmm. yeah and so agents I'm, and vessels of his love right right i'm gonna ask you <laughs> i'm gonna ask you the application question you asked in the sermon you said um look for one opportunity every day this week to enter an interaction from the other person's perspective, the other person's needs, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to ask, have you, have you done that this week? I have, as a matter of fact. Uh, I how? went, Sharon and I went for a walk uh, yesterday. I don't remember. The days are a bit of a blur Monday. Um, and uh, and we, we met someone. Uh, I had met his wife previously, and she actually told me that he worked in a church. Um, and so I met him and I said, so I understand you work at a church. And, and he paused and he said, no, I don't think so, which I thought was a really funny <laughs> response. Um, but it turns out that, that this wasn't this guy's, uh, or this wasn't this wife's husband. And in fact, that couple had left, had moved somewhere else as a completely different couple that had moved into their house. So um, it was really funny. I was thinking in that moment, um, I, God gave me the grace to walk around and see that conversation from the other side. And I thought, okay, right now I could, I could go down the path of, oh, I was curious because I was a pastor. And, and I thought, um, just trying to read the conversation at that point, I thought he had a measure of discomfort that I saw in his face. And even the question that I think read a little bit like an accusation to him. So I just, I kind of tuned into what was going on in his face. And I thought, I, I don't think that's the direction he wants to go. And I said, gosh, I'm really sorry. I just think I'm, I'm misunderstood. And he said, well, actually, 
I think the family that lived here before, what the guy worked at the church. And then I quickly said, well, tell me what you do. Rather than pursuing what this guy was doing and where did they end up and what are they doing, which my curiosity was leading me to know about, I thought, wait, let me, let me pause and, and zero in on this guy. And he ended up bringing his wife over and his kids over and his, his father over and we got to meet them all and we stood there and talked for 20 minutes. Um, and it was, it was really cool to have that sense of kind of seeing me through his eyes rather than just seeing him through my own eyes. Yeah, so I was glad that guy on Sunday suggested that challenge. It was, uh, it was, it's fun to try it out. Yeah, and that you had the presence of mind in the moment to do that. Oh, that was That's, the spirit. That was this the well, spirit of God. Yes, because I I was thinking through my week, and I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> I didn't. I haven't had a. I will say. I will say. While I haven't necessarily had a conversation where I did that, I did go to an event that I did not really want to go to because I thought if I were running this event, how would I feel if someone in my position came to the event? That's a great example. And so I, and it, you know, it's just, it was right at dinner time. It was like just super inconvenient time-wise for, for me and my family. But then it turned out there was only one child at home who was like, yeah, see ya, bye. <laughs> so it really wasn't, it was more of a, oh man, I have to leave my house. <laughs> yeah. But I did it and I was blessed. Like I got, I got a little bit teary listening to some of the talks at this event mm. and um, and, and I was able to see this person's heart and, um, and then I saw some people I knew. And so then, um, so it all worked out. It was, it was definitely, I was glad that I went. That's cool. So, and to, to, to bring you back to the starting point of that, you did that as a conscious sacrifice mm-hmm. of what your preference was for the sake of love for that other person. And, and what is really interesting is that Paul goes boom, boom, boom in this passage. He, he talks about um, you know, love that, that is, is what is the basis of our unity. And then he talks about humility, which is what preserves our unity. And then he talks about sacrifice, which is the ultimate outworking of our humility and and turns to the example of Jesus. Look what mm. look how Jesus did this. His yeah. this is how his humility showed up. Um, you know, I it was a small sacrifice, but it was a sacrifice in my conversation with with uh, my neighbor um, to pursue further, which I knew was opening up a conversation, and I knew was committing us to being there for a longer period of time. And we were doing this in our minds, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not you know not visibly actually. doing that, but um, <laughs> but. Um, I, I think you alluded to the challenge of our ever getting outside of the perspective that is through our own desires and through our own self-importance. And I think that is always just a miracle when it happens and it is a work of grace. And I think mm-hmm. we need to pray for it, but I can't go through the day choosing that because I will always forget 
to not look through my needs and my self-importance. And it is only the spirit of God in me who goes, this might be one of those moments. Oh yeah. Thank you. Spirit of God. Um, and I think more and more that habit of perspective can be formed in us as the spirit does that work. Mm -hmm. But then it's always connected. Once we become conscious of that perspective, then we will become conscious of the cost too. Mm. It is costly. It's so easy to just blow up somebody's idea. It's so much more costly to say, could we take an hour and wrestle through this together? I'd love to hear your perspective and how it got formed and how do you wrestle with the authority of scripture in this area and kind of share with you some of my thoughts. And that it is so much costlier to build mm -hmm. unity with Jesus at the center like that. Mm -hmm. um, but that is what preserves the unity that our, our love and his love forms. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and I think we're going to end on that note. All right. I don't know of anything else we could say. Do you have anything? I'll give you one last opportunity. Is there anything else you want know, to I don't say? Think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, actually I do. Um, I think this cultural moment is a deep test of the church mm. and a deep test of its deepest allegiance. Is my deepest allegiance to my perspective of how I things ought to be, think I things ought to be seen or ought to be done, or is my deeper allegiance to the Jesus that we have in common? Mm. And I think this is a passage that we need to just let sing to us for a long time and be a, a basis of our prayers is that people of God in the church worldwide and at covenant, um, because I, I do really believe that there's something weighty in this link between love and unity and humility and sacrifice. And I just, so I'm eager to see the spirit open that up for us and for yeah. us to say yes um, as his people. Yes. And, it, and sacrifice, like, <laughs> I wish I could be articulate. <laughs> you are. Sacrifice always brings blessing. Yes, that is so true. It's hard in the moment. It yes. always brings blessing. Like what you described in your experience and what I felt and Sharon and I both felt as we walked away from that time where this guy who was kind of on the edge of reticence with us uh, in, in my sensitivity prompted by the spirit, his heart opened up and suddenly we were being folded into his family in that moment. And uh, yeah, we walked away grinning from that. Wow, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I look forward to this Sunday which is Mission Celebration Sunday. And the celebration continues all of next week. And um, next week I'll be talking with Chris DaCosta and maybe Julie Williams too about missions and about the sermon this next Sunday. So- Oh, that'll be awesome. And Jeff yeah. Johnson's gonna be so great. He's, um, he is a gem, He's such a man of God with a deep heart for missions. Uh, I really look forward to hearing him preach on Sunday and, and welcoming him into the covenant family. Yeah, it'll be good. It will. All right. Well, thank you for your time today, David. Thank you, Michelle, and everyone for joining us. Yes. Glad to have you with you. us. Yes, absolutely.
and we'll see you next i'll see you next week <laughs> bye, bye.